Can you see me? Give me a thumbs up. All right, I'm in a hotel room, so I'm just making sure that the Wi-Fi works. And as promised, I decided I was inspired to jump on and talk about something that's been coming up quite frequently in the conversations with our tribe of cycle breakers. Um, uh, our our clients are. It just seems whenever I I experience bumping up with the exact same issue again and again and again, there's something in the mass consciousness that I feel responsible for, you know, getting some level of understanding for, integrate, helping people integrate, and then doing a Facebook Live content piece uh, for YouTube on replay, um, or if you happen to jump on live, bonus. You know, it's pretty cool in this COVID time to have a little bit of an audience when I've been used to speaking publicly to people and getting engagement, getting visual cues, getting back and forth, you know, facial expressions, high fives, hugs, hasn't happened in a long time. So when I can get some level of engagement, then I know that there's some kind of back and forth connection because we're, we're talking about, we're in the conversation of healing trauma. So it's uh, we can't heal trauma without practicing be becoming present and so you know it's really difficult speaking in front of a camera it's very impersonal so i'm saying i miss it i miss you guys <laughs> i miss being in in a crowd uh, uh and teaching in in a live uh engagement so essentially what i wanted to share uh, first of all i'd love for you to let me know where are you listening from where are you you know on this broadcast from on replay on YouTube um, I'm curious as to wondering you know where you are and how you found out about this community and um, you know what is it that you really would love first of all I'd love to invite you before we get into the conversation of relationship anxiety it's wise for us to ask ourselves because we can get bogged down in when how things aren't working right and so a really great question to ask yourself in this conversation is Ideally, where would you love to be in six months, in a year time, in the world of your relationships? You know, you can, it, relationship can mean anything. Relationship with your career, relationship with your, with your, uh, with your work, you know, relationship with yourself. You know, where would you ideally love to be? And as soon as you say, yeah, I want, I'm, you know, I'm single and I'd love to be in a committed relationship. I want to bust through this anxiety that I'm constantly feeling in the realm of relationships where I'm, Am I going to be chosen? Am I, you know, is this person going to leave me? This whole fear of abandonment, all of our traumas that are pretty much, you know, running the show in our lives, we have an opportunity to go, this is what I would love to create. And as soon as you'll notice, as soon as you put, you throw your hat over the fence and make a declaration is I want to have a secure relationship in the next six months or a year. I want to, you know, have what I've never really had before, this experience of feeling nourished within a relationship. You know, as soon as you throw your hat over the fence and say, this is what I want, boom, immediately you can expect all of your shadows, shadows, all of your unworthiness, what I call your dark passenger, all of it to just show up and just be like, no, Nima, who are you? You're not worthy of that. No, Nima, you're you're not you're not. That's not possible for you. 
everybody leaves you you know everybody you're a fucking shitty human being you're not you're not worthy of having a healthy secure relationship believe me i understand this this concept i mean i have been the king of personal development doing every cognitive tool out there from landmark to demartini to uh, psychotherapy to really understand why i kept showing up with the same goddamn pattern in my relationships i'm crushing it at work work is never really an issue work i am just crushing you know chiropractor uh, helping people with stress related problems i'm really good at teaching people how to get to the root cause of their issues and heal wow i can help you with headaches i can help you with digestive issues fucking i crushing it at work but this one area in my life just doesn't seem to have any type of uh what do we say security any type of kind of nourishment I seem to constantly go back in the same damn patterns. Let me know if you if this resonates at all with you. Hey, love it. Hey, Michaela, nice to nice to see you. Norway, woo, amazing. Wisconsin, Norway, that's cool. I currently I'm in Saskatchewan. I normally live in Vancouver, but I am uh, visiting um, my wife's uh, my 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 mother-in-law. We're visiting my mother-in-law, and this is her first time. She gets to meet. Uh, her grandson, my my son Dominic, uh, our 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 beautiful little baby boy, and so what's really cool about it is, you know, I can see, you know, I'm in the hotel in a conference room right now, and I have an opportunity in between clients, and I really felt called to answer some questions that kept popping up, uh, and I did a post earlier today, and I asked, hey Peggy, what's up? Um, uh, I did a post in the group asking, all right, what's been bothering you in the realm of relationship anxiety and perhaps self-hate? And I had some amazing questions, so I'm gonna answer them today. But before I answer the specifics, I want you to listen, because you're probably gonna find yourself in it, even if you didn't answer or ask a question, you'll probably find some commonality because what's personal to to us is very universal. This is the cool part about working with healing trauma and helping people over the last several years heal from their insecure relationship attachments and create secure relationships simply by creating a secure relationship within the self and healing all sorts of um, crazy chronic symptoms that come up on the other side of these attachment wounds is that um, it's how how unique our experience experiences are but how universal uh, really are how you know how unique yet universal our experiences are that's the beauty of ta having this conversation this global conversation in a really cool um, health conscious tribe is that it's amazing how what you're going through is not unique to you and so a lot of times there's this incredible amount of shame that we have because of the experiences that we have um, the experiences that we have internally we think that we're alone and then you join a community of healing people who are committed to breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma and everybody's sharing they're like wow I'm you know we have people from all different walks of life Jewish Muslim Christian Baha'i atheist all in one room on zoom sharing and they're like what it's the same you know and it's it's amazing so I want you to be able to as you're listening maybe even write in the chat box what do you see yourself in this conversation of relationship anxiety and self-hate and so 
I'm going to invite you to kind of uh, tune in and instead of writing down everything, just listen in with your body. And whenever you have an emotion come up, pay attention. It's your nervous system trying to tell you something. There's a truth that is hidden because we love to hide the truth. We're very good as human beings. Our egos uh, wants to protect us from the pain. So we, we self-deceive unknowingly, not, not on purpose, but we, we lie to ourselves because we don't want to face the truth. And so it takes sometimes an asshole like myself to, you know, run the risk of triggering you by telling you truthful things because there's really nothing more triggering than the truth. And if I'm talking to you and you say something to me and it really causes me to get triggered, it's probably because you told me something that was true. And I, I, I wouldn't want to face it. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I, uh, it's something that you, if you, you and I were in a conversation, you told me and it triggered the fuck out of me. It's because you just told me a truth that I probably wasn't ready for. And so I'm going to try to be gentle. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I'm in the business of waking people up in a world of social media where we tune out and numb ourselves. So forgive me um, for uh, activating your nervous systems, um, but I'm going to hold you uh, maybe to a higher standard and uh, not see you so small and incapable. I'm saying this with the full awareness that you are capable to be able to take in what I'm sharing and be able to really process and integrate. And here's the other point. If you don't take action with what I'm sharing, if you don't actually take an action step within five seconds, this is the five-second rule of Mel Robbins, look it up. Just look it up. What is the five-second rule? of Mel Robbins. If you don't actually take action, then it's just going to kind of like your fears and your ego will take over. It's the biggest challenge in healing trauma is that there's a part of us that doesn't want to heal it. Let me say that again. I'll start off by this entire kind of lecture, this entire training. Maybe you wanting to write down the biggest challenge in healing trauma is that there is a part of us that doesn't want to heal it. Consciously, we do. Everybody consciously, we go to the doctor. We consciously, we're like, I wanna, I want to heal. But there are parts in our unconscious that resist healing because of the pain that it will, you know, that we are kind of called on to face in healing it and until we face it and feel it we're not actually healing it we're just managing it and most medical uh psychiatric um uh what's the word i'm looking for psychiatric uh, uh psychotherapeutic models are just about management and so this conversation is about going deeper because i've been a chiropractor for 20 years helping people heal and recover from primarily stress-related problems. And I realized very early on that a lot of the things that were driving people into my office were attachment traumas. What are attachment traumas? Well, ever since you were a child, you've had attachment. The first one is to your mother in utero. You know, there is this amazing soup called your placenta that connects you to this life-giving energy from your mother and if she was in a good place mentally physically emotionally um she felt safe in her relationship with her your father she wasn't going through undue stress like war um like famine <laughs> like uh you know you name it <laughs> like a breakup with her partner 
and having to sit there and be like, holy shit, am I going to be alone? How, who's going to raise this child? I'm fucked. Uh, you know, if you're a mother, you understand it's a very, uh, you know, anxiety producing time. You know, when Diana was pregnant, it was like, is this baby going to be healthy? And so thank God that, you know, because I understood this work and I know this work very well, um, that my number one role was to have Diana feel safe. Because I knew that if if there was any hint of lack of safety within Diana about my relationship with her, that that would translate onto our, our child, boy or girl, and that I wasn't projecting I wanted to be a boy. I wanted to be a girl. Onto the child, uh, we we chose not to. Um, we chose not to uh, to know because she convinced me to keep it a surprise, and I'm totally glad that she did. But I was really careful uh, because I understand trauma. Because I I'm a uh, chiropractor turned somatic experiencing practitioner and. Um, kind of leader of a global community of cycle breakers and self-healers that how she felt was going to be downloaded because of the attachment towards the, the child. So as a child, when we're in utero, we have an attachment towards mom and dad. And depending on the quality of those attachments, whether there was consistency there, whether there was predictability with mom or dad, whether, you know, if Diana and I are getting into constant conflict and I then use Dominic as my little sounding board and emotional support, there are insidious forms of trauma that a child takes on unknowingly. That, for example, would be trauma with a little t. When I talk about trauma, I'm not only talking about physical violence, sexual violence, trauma with a capital T. There's also trauma with small t that's very insidious, that very few people talk about, that unless you're trauma-informed, your medical doctor doesn't get trained in, even your psychiatrist, unless they've gone outside of the training and studied work like Dr. Vessel van der Kolk, uh, Bessel van der Kolk, uh, who wrote the book The Body Keeps the Score, or Stephen Porges's work with the polyvagal theory, unless they're really informed or they've done somatic work with uh, Peter Levine, or unless they've gone that deep and worked on their own traumas, they will often dismiss, um, not because they're bad people, but it's just the training in the system. So this isn't about therapists and doctors being bad. They're all loving people. My family is full of them. I work with them. A lot are in our programs learning these deeper somatic tools because they realize that the training that they received wasn't respecting the insidiousness of trauma. And so if you were raised with inconsistency, if you were raised with parents that invalidated you, no, that never happened. You know, let's say, I'll give you an example. One client in our overview experience uh, had the experience where her uncle had a kind of inappropriate sexual uh, relationship with her. And when she went and told her mother, her mother said, no, that didn't happen. That's trauma on trauma for a child, for an eight-year-old girl. Okay, that... It, first of all, is the overstimulation and experience of too much, too fast, too soon, which is what trauma really is. But then going to mom and saying, mom, this is what happened. And then having mom say, no, that didn't happen, is another form of trauma, even though it's not a physical violence. But what happens is the key component of trauma is this, is that there is a separation from the self. The child doesn't end up hating the mother in that moment. The child ends up 
abandoning themselves, betraying themselves. Well, that didn't happen. Well, then I, I can't trust my mother to protect me. I can't trust myself. It's not safe to express my truth. Me expressing my truth results in punishment, results in a withdrawal of love. These are insidious forms of trauma that get stored in our body. And we don't even know that here's the worst part of it. We don't even know that it has a stranglehold on us. We don't even know that that's trauma. We don't even know that that's inappropriate. We don't even know that that's not right. All we feel is this deep sense of invalidation, this deep sense of shame for being who we are, this deep sense of self-hatred. Self-hatred becomes the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Self-hatred becomes the coping mechanism to deal with this inner conflict of feeling invalidated by our primary caregivers. This experience of, you know, me expressing my truth is not accepted by my parents. The classic example, you know, a classic example, if you, you, uh, are born in a family in the Midwestern United States and you're, you just happen to be homosexual. And that's a no-no or you're in a society where they actually beat up and or kill homosexuals. Well, self-hate becomes a coping strategy. Self-hate becomes a protective mechanism to protect ourselves uh, because we would rather reject ourselves than to have our caregivers or the people around us that we depend on to hate us. Let me say that again. Self-hate becomes a coping mechanism, a coping strategy, a survival strategy to keep us alive and bonded in a society that we feel will uh, uh, reject us, abandon us, if we were to express our truth. This is what's called enmeshment trauma, and there's many, it's a developmental trauma that we don't even know that we're in. There's many examples of it. Let me give you another example. If you had a parent that had depression or mental illness or wasn't all there uh, or was deep into alcoholism or drug use, and you had to, let's say as a five-year-old, as a seven-year-old, had to clean up after mom or emotionally look after dad, uh, because, you know, they would lose their shit or they were suicidal. Just to keep yourself safe, you are experiencing a childhood wounding, childhood trauma. These are emotional injuries. Trauma is just an in, means injury. And injuries are not just physical. They become emotional. And we don't feel them because they don't bleed. But we feel them. It feels like a heaviness in our heart. It feels like a freeze response when we feel activation, a trigger, and we get scared. We go into freeze, shutdown. That's why, you know, when you're 50, you know, if you were touched as a child um, by by a uh, somebody in your family and they were a little older and you just froze. In one situation, uh, a client, uh, his father uh, was sexually abusing his sister while he was in, in, the, in the same bed, okay? He was five years old. His sister was a couple years older. His dad would come home, sexually abuse his sister, and he would just freeze, right? And this is a biological adaptation that as a five-year-old, even though he wasn't the recipient of the abuse, it was traumatic for him. And he, and it stays in our body. And this freeze response would happen to him every time he would get into trouble within a relationship dynamic 
he would freeze. He wouldn't be able to advocate for himself. And you could argue, come on, man, advocate for yourself. Speak up. But the problem is, is that you can't. Not when your nervous system is in a shutdown to try to keep you safe because you've now regressed to being that five-year-old again. So I want to start off by really hammering home the point that trauma is very insidious. And I don't know too many people who haven't experienced it in some form. I used to think I had a great childhood. There's nothing, you know, to be... Uh, to, to complain about, you know, my parents did everything they could to leave Iran and come to Canada and I should be grateful. And this is, there's a lot of guilt in this conversation. Notice how activated this conversation makes you. Notice how uh, triggered this makes you because deep down, so a lot of people feel that there's a lot of um, shame in talking about this because we should be grateful to our parents. And this is not about knocking your parents. Your parents are lovely human beings with a dark side, just like everybody else, and they are at the effect of their own traumas. But we have to talk about it if we want to heal it, you know. It is not about bashing your mother or father. This is about honoring them and honoring where their limitations were. And we parent the way we were parented. And so spoil the, uh, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child children are to be seen and not heard that's pretty much how your your parents you know were raised children are you know we have kids to to work on the farm you know they're 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 um there to suit the parents needs just looking at my nine-month-old i can tell you he really doesn't care about my needs he does not care doesn't give a fuck about what my needs are. <laughs> he has his own needs. Even though I have my own needs, he doesn't care. My job as a conscious parent is to help him meet his needs and to teach him how to meet his, his needs, physical and emotional. Caregiving is making sure that he's got a roof over his head, right? He's got meals. He's alive. He's got a roof over his head. That's caretaking, right? That's kind of like a care aid, right? But emotional support is parenting parenting is meeting a child's emotional needs everyone has to feel seen to feel heard to uh, uh, allowance of your authentic expression of whoever it is that you are that's very rare I haven't really met maybe it's because I work in the field of trauma and so people who reach out to me have gone through you know resonate with the content that I'm sharing and they say you're just you're talking exactly about me where do I get started you know the people that I generally meet in this forum uh, have had these intergenerational woundings and traumas and they're like, okay, I'm ready to heal that. So essentially, when we have these wounds, they become familiar It's and you don't even know it. You're born into an environment and the, the example that I use is it's like you're a fish you're a goldfish in really dirty water and when you're born into the water you think that that's oh this is the world this is life this is how it is I'm supposed to be treated like I don't matter I'm supposed to be dismissed my desires every time I mention my desires they're dismissed they're not validated I'm told by an authoritarian parent who's trying to do the best that they can because they were taught because they were ultra religious or they were ultra strict or my dad was in the military and so they're parenting us according to whatever rules or systems that they were raised in, not knowing that oftentimes they're downloading their traumas onto us. 
you know, like um, uh, being told that didn't happen, you know. Uh, for example, uh, a, a parent, here's a classic example I'm going to give you. If you have a parent that emotionally uh, was really not all there, uh, childlike, uh, emotionally immature, very much leaning on children to meet their emotional needs, constantly in conflict, and you then uh, uh, are stepping up and having to be the emotional support for mom or dad, physical or emotional support for mom and dad, because they were not mentally well they had addictions their nervous systems were dysregulated and they were at the effect of trauma they were perhaps holocaust survivors or you know we we hear it all you know we go into detail about you know when we're unpacking this we got to go back you want to heal this stuff with your relationship we got to go back and understand the fishbowl that you were born in because if unless we have that conversation none of this Help, I need advice. What should I do with this partner who treats me like shit and cheats on me every single day? He just won't, he just won't listen to my boundaries. I, he, he's cheated on me 14 times and I told him my boundaries, but he still does it. Any help, advice, please. I'm not here to minimize that or make fun. I'm kind of being playful a little bit. But in order for, you know, you can't get advice on that problem unless we go back and examine the fishbowl that you were born into. So I'm going to invite you to do that for a moment. You go back in time and you start looking and seeing, when I shared, ask yourself questions like this, when I shared what my desires were, what my values were, what my preferences were, what my ideas were, what was the response? What kind of response did I get? Were they dismissed? Were they punished? When I talked about my goals, my dreams, what was the response? When I had big emotions, what was the response? You know, a lot of times people uh, had such little emotional attunement from their parents. If you're, if you're like most people uh, with this insidious form of trauma, um, there had such little emotional attunement from their parents and validation that often the only time that you would ever get attention, validation, and approval from your parents was when you got sick or when you got injured. Guess what the message your nervous system gets? What do you think the message that your, nerv is, uh, that your nervous system gets when this happens? The message is, in order for me to be loved, I need to get sick. The only way to find love is getting sick or ill or injured. Well, what do you think would happen again and again in my chiropractic practice? I would see patient after patient. After 20 years of doing this, I would notice this pattern and I'm like, this person's sick, but they don't realize that this is an attachment trauma. So... The reason why me as a chiropractor retired and now is in the conversation of healing trauma was because I saw this so many times that I had to go and start teaching people why they got sick in the first place. And if you have unresolved attachment trauma with parents, trauma that you didn't even don't maybe don't even realize that you have. I didn't. I didn't realize that I had it. When I was two years old, I left uh, my mother left my mother and my twin brother came to Canada alone 
so that they could um, so that they we could explore immigrating but that was a trauma to to my two-year-old self I don't remember it because it was before I was even verbal it was showing up in the way that I was doing relationships I couldn't settle down with one I had to have many partners because if one of them withdrew their affection I would feel this huge sense of abandonment just like I did when I was two and that was so intolerable that I needed to find a kind of match that would be disempowered enough to know that they would never leave me and I'd have to have four or five of them <laughs> so that I could make sure that I never felt that wound again does that make sense all of this was happening unconsciously I was just showing up as a player just thought I was just being a player but I didn't realize it was trauma and so it took my last massive wake-up call because I kept trying to do personal development personal development courses maybe some therapy to try to work it out but it never the, the, the trauma was still in my body and until I went deeper and I started with breath work and I started to heal with my shadows and the younger parts of myself and integrate those parts that I was able to then heal what it was really about which was the insecure little boy who thought that he wasn't worthy whose separation trauma was pretty much running the show in all of his relationships and then when I healed that I you know I thought hey by the grace of God if I can do this then maybe I could do what I've never been able to do I've had much success in my life and my career just never really had success with relationship relationships in general even with men even with my male friends I just there was always this block I had pretty much showed up like a disorder of intimacy like a deep desire to connect but I just kept pushing pushing it away and so it's very painful to reconnect with those younger parts of myself I I didn't know because it wasn't at a conscious level it wasn't something that talking talk therapy could actually address because it was in my body and it was when be, long before I was able a, able to even have language to describe it so it was in my body and so um, this relationship with anxiety was all at the result of attachment trauma I want you to write that down because this was a huge revelation that I made and it was completely validated when I met Dr. Russell Kennedy uh, neuroscientist MD uh, who's the anxiety MD who wrote a book called the anxiety RX um, highly recommend you get that book and he literally validated all of my findings and to be able to validate it uh, scientifically and spiritually and help me set my, myself on a path to getting secure attachment with those younger parts of myself that didn't feel good enough to have mom be there with him and to heal with that younger part and I realized the other thing is that healing is a lifelong journey so that trauma even though kind of like the Japanese little teacup that breaks and then fractures and then with gold you kind of with kind of melted gold molten gold you can piece those parts together ends up becoming even more beautiful as you piece it together the same thing happens when we choose to heal our traumas uh, the same thing happens is those fractured parts of us they become more interesting the more interesting parts of us the more beautiful parts of us and so only if we choose to become the gold that 
puts those fractured pieces together. And so that's really what healing trauma is all about. And there's no shortcut to doing that. You can't really just say, hey, take me to the weekend course that does that. No, it's a lifelong practice. It's wiser for us, instead of looking for the solution to it, to learn the process, to learn the language of the nervous system, to understand our self-awareness and to learn how to regulate ourselves when these triggers become activated within our relationship dynamics. And so the name of the game is to create secure relationship and secure attachment. How? By reconnecting to the with to, with a secure attachment to those younger parts of ourselves that we abandoned a long time ago when we went through those traumas hi <laughs> it's all good um and to heal with the inner child and the and our shadows our shadow pieces our darker parts which the inner child is part of our shadows as well and so um essentially um your work, if you're in relationship anxiety, is to stop focusing on that other person and to start focusing internally. So there's a couple questions. I have a call that's coming up. I'm just doing a, a little um, only 15 minutes behind. So I'm going to answer uh, these questions uh, that just came up. And... Um, and hopefully, I just gave you the little background of it. So now I'm going to go through the specific questions, and then I'll answer them. So Brandy asks, I'm currently working through discovering my partner's infant. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast, designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work there's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma it didn't start with you but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work see you at the next perfect time fidelity ouch well you wake up one day realize your partner's been cheating. Now I'm working through it. She says, I have now set new boundaries in place that I had originally not done, and we are moving forward with our relationship. Okay. By the way, infidelity is either a way out of the relationship or a way back all in. So uh, depending on how you play it, we help a lot of people. Um, we help a lot of people heal from infidelity that they say they forgave. One of my, our, my clients, Denise, she goes, Nima, when she reached out to me, she goes, my, my husband cheated on me two years ago, and I've read six books on forgiveness. Six books. I've read six books on forgiveness, and I still, I'm still fucking mad. And I told her on our discovery call, I'm like, it's because forgiveness mostly is bullshit. <laughs> and so when we went into the deep inner work, she realized that 
the pain of the infidelity really wasn't about him. It was about her younger self that he brought up, that this infidelity brought up. And when she healed with that, she turned into this powerhouse badass and the dynamic completely shifted. So here's what Brandy just said. She goes, we're moving forward with our relationship. My question is, how do I know that I'm accepting his behavior and moving forward in a healthy way versus accepting what occurred and staying in the relationship out of fear of leaving my comfort zone? Thank you for your insight. Great question. How do I know if I stuck together because I'm afraid of being alone or if I'm truly doing it for the right reason, which is for the good of the relationship? Okay. So I want you to consider the possibility that deep down inside, when we're in a relationship, there are two parts to us, one that wants freedom and one that just is dying for connection and bonding. And if you've had an insecure uh, attachment growing up with a parent or a caregiver, let's say your father who left, there is this deep core wound inside or emotionally wasn't there. There will be this deep core wound inside of you that is longing so there's a little bit of an addiction to the longing. You know, those, if you, if you deal with codependency, be open to the possibility that you have a little bit of an addiction to the longing itself. That's why a guy who pays attention to you and is securely attached and is all in with you doesn't jazz you up because there's no longing, you know. The game of the longing is part of the addiction, is the draw when you are living with a trauma bond. So... This part of you, Brandy, that wants to connect is very strong, right? So it could be partially a fear of being by yourself. Absolutely. This is definitely within the realm of possibility. I don't know you personally. I don't, you haven't worked with us yet. You came to maybe one event and I'm sure maybe I think it was breath work or the overview experience. I'm not sure. Um, uh, I don't know you well enough to know what that is, but um, I'm getting a strong sense that it's probably a bit of both. I want you to be open to the possibility that there is a part of you that is deathly afraid of being alone, right? There's a part of you that is uh, so hurt and maybe wants the co competitive nature of, you know, like, was she better than me? I'm going to prove it to you. You know what I mean? This part of you that just likes the competition, that likes the, the longing because they're afraid of being alone and just wants to win him. Because if you could win him, this is winning dad's love or dad's approval. Now, I'm not sure. So I'm just using my intuition here without knowing you, uh, without working with you, but just from what I've seen. And so the only way to really find out the truth of that is to actually heal the parts of you that this is triggering. So the question you're going to want to ask is how old do I feel, you know, like with this, with this, you know, breakdown in the relationship with the infidelity, this pain that I'm feeling, this abandonment, this betrayal, just like when, how old do I feel? You want to ask yourself that question and this will reveal a younger part. And unless you meet, greet, heal, face, feel, deal with that younger part, then you are abandoning yourself and likely going to get, you know, what do they say? A lesson is repeated until it's learned, right? And so be open to the possibility that this next choice that you're making isn't the wrong choice because it will be revealed to you. I just hope and pray that you make take it upon yourself to heal what this is really about. That's my greatest suggestion to you. Hopefully, let me know if this is uh, resonating with you. Um,
Forgiveness does not work. Hey, Mitra. Mitra. Mitra Lavalt. Love you, sweetie. Um, okay, love it. Love it. So for, first of all, I got a full disclosure. When I see somebody who's been in this group for a long time, they've asked a bunch of questions, they've DM'd me, and then they've, I still haven't seen them in any of my workshops or taking action and everything, then my spider senses go up and go, maybe this person doesn't really want healing bad enough. And that's okay, but I'm just saying, love it. This is what's coming up for me when I'm when I'm <laughs> I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. I'm just this is said out of deep love and concern. This is my community, and it could be open to the possibility that your fears of facing your truth are are, are far greater than um, fear of fear of going into the unknown and facing your truth and loving yourself are far greater than staying in the unknown shitty situ in the known shitty situation that you're in it's kind of like it's familiar it's the devil you know <laughs> so you'll stay in it say oh i want out of this situation oh please take me out but then when there's an opportunity you're like no i'm scared of 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 the commitment that of who i have to become in order to release myself from that and i i i, I I bet you about 80% of people who DM me are in that situation. They're like, oh my God, help. Story, story, story. Here's what's going on. My son, my this, we have a terrible relationship. Where do I begin? And then I leave a link. Here you go. Here's the door. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, here I am. I'm like that Morpheus guy that says, here you go. Red pill. Take the red pill. See the truth. Blue pill. Go back to sleep and back to your old. Most people take the blue pill. That used to frustrate the fuck out of me until I realized it's okay. We're dealing with trauma. You have to get to a point, love it, where you're like, I'm done. Enough. And it's okay if that, uh, if that, uh, you're not there yet. You know, it's okay if, if you're not there yet. I'm just, you, you, you raised a really great question. I'm going to answer you and I'm just going to hold you accountable to choosing what's right for your little, little one inside, uh, which I'm going to ask you this question, uh, Brandy, uh, Brandy, your last question, a good question you're going to want to ask yourself as you're reintegrating with this guy who cheated on you. In every moment, you want to ask yourself this question, and everyone write this question down. What's, what would a person who loves themselves do? You know, what would a person who loves themselves completely do? Brandy, that, your question, your last question, that's the question you want to ask. I had a mental note to tell you that, but I forgot, so I'm saying it now. What would a person who loves themselves do? If a person completely loved themselves, what would they do? Let's say there's a person sitting right there in the same situation. You are in that same situation. You completely love yourself. What would you do? Ouch. Oh. If that hurts, then you're doing it right. You're doing shadow work right. Okay? So Lovett says, I'm currently in a relationship that I know is not good for me. It is bringing me a lot of anxiety because of the lies and gaslighting. So, so now there is no trust. She's literally, you're literally calling out like, like that. Love it. I don't know if you have kids, but let's say you had a daughter and she asked the same question. What would you say? Okay. I'm working on myself. By the way, when people say I'm working on myself, I always wonder what that is. Some journaling, some meditations, you know, at what level, maybe some counseling. I'd love to know what that is because... Every single client that comes to our events and does work with us is like, I've never done work this deep. 
one of my clients, Jen, she did 20 years of therapy. She goes, it was great. It was being validated, but I've never done work this deep where she faced and felt and met her younger younger parts. <clears throat> I'm working on myself and have easily walked away from relationships in the past that I know were not healthy for me, but for some reason I'm staying and I cannot figure out why. This is not like me. What is the question I need to ask myself? What am I missing? It's not like me to put up with this kind of behavior, especially when it's bringing me so much duress and stealing my peace and joy. I have a block somewhere. Why am I there? Because it's familiar. He is treating me. This is what it is. He is treating me exactly the way I was treated by my father or my mother. It's so familiar. Familiar means like family. <laughs> familiar. Like family. It actually, what happens is there's a little child, little wound that's activated that migrates towards this person who's just like mom, just like dad, and they're wounding. And what we're doing is we're trying to get complete we're trying to solve what was unsolvable with mom and dad, unconsciously. And it doesn't work. It never works until, because that person will never rescue us from those wounds. In fact, they actually activate them and make them worse. And what it takes is for you to commit to healing with yourself. You know, I'm working with one client, um, Leslie, who is in a five-year codependent relationship, and the guy was... The guy is just horrible. He literally cheats on her constantly. Cheats on her constantly. Right? He she knows it. She's like, I have the evidence. He comes in with like makeup and glitter on his face sometimes. She's like, Oh my god, fuck, where were you? She knows. Like it's like a hundred percent. She's like, Why is it that I keep choosing that? And then after about two months of us working on it and healing with the younger part, she's been dissociated. What's called dissociation. It's a freeze response in the nervous system because of all her trauma of her wounding from her parents. Soon as her partner of eight years died, she just found this amazing project who was just as kind of emotionally fucked up, um, addictions, all of that she used as a project to rescue, to distract herself from the pain of losing her partner and the pain of her childhood that she didn't want to feel. She got to try to solve that which was never un she was it was an unsolvable riddle because it was never she would unconsciously it's like maybe if i rescue him maybe if i save him then i'm going to get the love that i never received from my parents the recognition that i never received and lo and behold she's frustrated at the fact that it doesn't come so then she walks away she says i'm done and soon as she she kind of throws her hands in the air and leaves he then turns around, he then turns around and says, oh my God, come back, come back. And then love bombs and sucks her back in and this dance keeps going. And now within two months of us really integrating those shadows, you know what she told me on our last call? She goes, oh my God, I don't have this sexual charge for him anymore. I'm like, congrats. You're untangling with what it's really about. This is not about this guy. This is not about your partner, Frank, or whatever the heck we'll call him. Well, let's call him Frank. It's not his real name. And she's like, holy shit, it's not about Frank at all. So love it. It's not about your partner. It's about your younger part. You're distracting yourself with this guy. And you will, here's the other part. I'm going to tell you this, but without you taking some sort of radical action, 
you're going to keep doing it. The reason why I'm telling you this is not to, not to uh, be mean or anything. It's just to really wake you up. It's not going to change unless you take action towards loving you. Now, there's going to be a million obstacles. Deep down inside, you have to feel that you're worthy and deserving of healing. One of the side effects of the trauma that you've gone through is that you deep down don't feel worthy and deserving. So can you see the conundrum here? Which is why not everybody heals. I used to get so frustrated as a healer, which nobody heals except you. I, I say that in quotes. I'm a facilitator of healing. Is that, fuck, why is it that people just don't walk through the door? And then I realize not everybody really wants to heal. Because it's so familiar, love it, you're likely going to want to stay there. In fact, it's going to take a great deal of energy often. That's why things get toxic and volatile and like violent or uh, like infidelity. Like because we're so at the effect, it's unconscious. It's in our body. It's not a rational thing. You're, you even wrote down, you know, he gaslights me. Uh, the lies and the gaslighting. He's not good for me. Give me more. Like, every, all of your friends are like, are you fucking crazy? And the answer is, you're not crazy. You're five years old. You're unconscious. And without healing those younger parts of you, you're literally spinning your wheels. So, uh, I have a block somewhere. Peter Levine, healer, uh, Trump, my, my mentor, says, uh, you can't do it alone and no one can do it for you. So it makes sense that you have a block because if you're not working with somebody who's trauma-informed, is able to teach you the ways of your nervous system and how to self-regulate, there's no way that you can do it because you can't see your blind spots. I can't see my blind spots either, and I do this work. That's why we heal in community. You can't heal in isolation. But I can tell you from working with Leslie, in eight weeks, she's completely different. She's now feeling herself not pulled in that direction. She goes... I don't really need to see him anymore. Like, like, what was I doing? Where all of her friends were like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? But it, she wouldn't stop. It's like an addiction. So I want you to look at yourself like it's an addiction. This codependency is an addiction. Like you're an addict. Like an addict knows that they shouldn't, you know, drink. They hate themselves for it. But the shame of it keeps them driving back for more. So your work is to actually throw, this is what I told, um, uh, this is what I told Leslie to do. Throw your hands up in the air and celebrate. You are totally using him to heal your unconscious wounds. And when she owned that, she was empowered instead of being a victim. And that's when the, 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 it, it started to unpack. So love it. You know, you DM'd me before and I think you spoke with Kim. Like, the question is, why, why don't I feel like I deserve to get resourceful and to actually get some assistance, get guidance on solving this. And there's a part of you that doesn't want to solve it because you think, oh, I don't want to lose him. So the block here is a lack of self-love. It's the block on everybody who's got a relationship issue. And the path towards healing that lack of self-love, that self-hate, is about going towards our attachment traumas and learning how to regulate our nervous system. Mastering the frameworks when we get activated and triggered. Not becoming trigger-less, but trigger-proof. Being able to regulate ourselves through it. Hopefully that was useful. 
um, definitely um, I'm doing the uh, I have a an event coming up tomorrow actually it's called should I stay or go actually I'm gonna put the link in here the link is going to be right here it's tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Pacific time and love it please Google it don't ask me on your just Google it <laughs> what is it in in so-and-so time well let me Google that for you <laughs> so the link is right there look up when it is and show up live and ask questions and I will take you through the steps that you need to go through in order to unpack and create secure relationships it's not easy you gotta be willing to do the work you gotta be willing to take action so definitely show up there <clears throat> next question Lynette a personal question that's always nice Normally, people are like, help, I need advice, um, something's fucked up. But then Lynette just asked me, what did you find were your biggest aha moments when you began addressing your self-confidence? Hmm. What would you suggest as some of the first steps to reprogramming how we see ourselves? In what ways do you feel that your friends or partner could have best supported or encouraged you while you were healing that part of yourself? Well, the biggest aha moment for me and answers how to reprogram it is inner child work and breath work. It was the biggest aha was that healing is not a rational process. It's not about talk therapy. Talk therapy is only helpful if you learned how to regulate your nervous system and to address your shadows as they pop up. You know, but that's not a skill that you get that you get taught at a therapist's office. Usually, the therapist is the 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 surrogate mother or father who just validates you, right? But that doesn't give you real skills. Uh, healing is is not a rational process. It's learning is learning the skill of regulating my nervous system and expanding my capacity to feel very difficult emotions. Most therapies and personal development are bypasses, are cognitive bypasses to our emotions. But healing is the opposite, is a bottom-up approach. That's my biggest aha over the last three years, which is why I focus most of the work on a bottom-up approach to healing. Uh, instead of top-down, you know, talk therapy. It's kind of like when you're super-duper anxious and someone just tells you, calm the fuck down. doesn't calm you down. We need to learn how to show our younger parts safety rather than be told. So hopefully that, what, uh, where's the best place to begin? Uh, I have an event called Breathwork and Badassery. I'm going to put a link right here. Uh, the best place to begin uh, is Breathwork and Badassery. I mean, I got these questions so often that I said, why don't I just create an event that solves it for you? Takes all the guesswork out. You're, it's not expensive it's actually very affordable so that everybody can participate and then get immersed in a community where we learn how to reprogram ourselves through the it's through engagement with our nervous systems it's not about learning how to feel better it's about learning how to get better at feeling feeling shame feeling guilt feeling my lack of self-confidence the more I was willing to feel Lynette, the more that I was willing to feel my lack of self-esteem, the more confident I become. Hmm, what an odd paradox, but that's exactly what it is. And the best place to begin is in that link right there, Breathwork and Badassery, where we actually do the work. But tomorrow, if you jump into Should I Stay or Go, this will give you some more insight. And uh, the replay will be up for 72 hours. <clears throat> Last question, Jenny asks, 
Looking forward to the live session. Cool. I'm attempting to move forward with my life without my spouse. Okay. Which means it's tough. I keep allowing myself to get sucked back in only to be re-traumatized by the actions. I have to be the one to break this vicious cycle. Yeah. That's true. Because what will happen is you're like, I'm out. And then the guy is like, oh, I've changed. I promise I'll change. But they... Without really doing this deep inner work, it's all just, you know, doing a few counseling sessions isn't the real work. A person must address their own shame. They must. Ad How do I know when someone's done the real deep inner work? Because there's a bunch of work. You can, you know, read a book. People think that, oh, reading a book is the work. It's helpful. It's a guidepost. But no, actually facing your shadows is the real work, right? And how do you know? Uh, when somebody's done it well they won't have to tell you it's like me uh, starting a really strict diet and exercise routine after six months being in the gym three hours a day I don't have to tell you oh look at me I've been working out I don't have to tell you you'll look at me and you'll be like fuck Nima you looking amazing you've been doing the work like it can be felt right but if I tell you, oh, I've been in the gym six hours a day for the last 10 years, you'll be like, yeah, get the fuck out of here, Nima, you're full of shit. <laughs> you can tell I haven't been, right? And so the inner work works very much the same way. When someone's done the work, there's a humility to them. There's a softness to them. Uh, there is an authenticity uh, in their way, there's a, a willingness to own, take ownership uh, without desperation and neediness. You know, and so uh, it's very rare when someone has really done it unless, you know, they've been through something as deep as one of our programs. Um, you know, most of the, the feedback that I've gotten was this is the deepest type of work that I've done. Because what we do is we get you to actually address the shameful, insignificant parts of us. Right. And so if he says, oh, I promise I'll change and then maybe does a couple counseling sessions to show you that he's committed just to shut you up, what happens when you're triggered is the old narratives come back. If you don't have strategies on how to manage conflict, how to address your shame instead of deflecting and saying, no, it was you, and not be able to take feedback and, and be a listener, you know, and, and really listen, then both of you, then, then you haven't really done it. And so my suggestion to you is to just go all in with healing yourself. Forget about him, what he does, right? So to go back, I tried to dig deep and ask, is it because I'm too scared to be alone? Yes, in all likelihood it is. It's terrifying. That's what kept me in my relationship for more than, like, I knew from day one that it was the wrong person. But I stayed for four years in my last relationship. Four fucking years. Why? Because I was terrified of being alone. Terrified. Because then I'd have to face my own insignificance, right? Um, too scared to fail as a mother alone? Yes, absolutely. That's real. Um, too scared to see him do better without me? Absolutely. You're putting a question mark. You're just revealing what's in your unconscious. You're making the unconscious conscious. The truth is that there are parts of you that do feel that way, right? Or do I really lack confidence so much that I feel deserving of the trauma that binds us? Yes, a part of you does. Right? This isn't an invalidation of you. This is a validation that these parts of you exist. These parts of are the these are the parts of you that are resisting moving on. Your adult brain says, 
I got to move on from this. This is not healthy. But your child brain, your inner child brain is fucking terrified of being alone, feeling rejected, feeling like a failure. This is the a war between your conscious that says, I got to get out of this. It's not good for me. And your unconscious mind. So who, who's going to win between a battle between the, uncon the conscious and the unconscious? The unconscious wins every fucking time. So how do you resolve that? Well, you got to learn the mastery of working with these two parts of yourself and learn how to integrate those parts so that every part is working as your advocate, like they're all aligned. So you're at war within yourself. This is where anxiety comes in. This is where chronic burnout comes in. This is where chronic pain comes in. I realized this a long time ago and I'm like, fuck, I got to teach people how to align with themselves their younger parts that's a jenny that's a classic war between your inner child and your adult self you haven't yet learned how to have everything working together um, why do i still have doubts i'm making the right choice of leaving the situation well because there's parts of you that are afraid to be alone <laughs> it's the devil you know <laughs> it's familiar jenny you're getting treated like this the question you want to ask is just like when how is this where as a child did i experience this feeling of being invalidated this feeling of being treated like crap and being dismissed and being in um you know not being treated with 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 love why do i still have doubt why do i want to keep trying because that part of you wants to co complete what was incomplete with mom or dad maybe if i fix it with him maybe i'll get the love that i never received from mom or dad does this met does this does this resonate with you um why do i want to keep trying i feel like my inner voice is trying to answer but it's such a soft whisper that i can't yet quite understand it i hope to have some answers or at least some food for thought to help guide me down the right path yes when you are in a voice the voice of trauma silences you from your own inner voice there is an inner voice. It's there, but we've dissociated from it because we've dissociated from ourselves, those younger parts of ourselves. So why do I keep wanting to go back? Why do I keep trying? Because that younger part of you that didn't get the nourishment, emotional nourishment from mom or dad is trying to get it through your, your husband. What's the answer? Well, the answer is to master and to learn how to give it to yourself. And unless you do, you will forever be spinning your wheels, dancing in this circle. But the next question is, how do I do? Where do I begin? What book should I read? What podcast? I'm not saying not to read books and podcasts. I'm just saying most people just stop there. That's a good way of avoiding the real work, <laughs> which is to show up, face and feel those certain feelings. And so I'm going to invite you, Jenny, to jump on uh, our training tomorrow, Should I Stay or Go? make sure you're there if you're not able to show up live that's fine the the replay is up for 72 hours join us at breathwork and badassery there's another uh, uh event there are events that are happening constantly ask when the next one is show up live at the events and do the fucking work it's it, it's it's kind of like oh i want to lose weight what books do i read mm, you can read a book or you can get your fucking ass up and start running <laughs> start training so my suggestion is to show up at the events with us and do the fucking work with us i do the work 
work with you. It's an ongoing process and the work really is the conversation of getting consciously present in our bodies, facing the shadows that are coming up, healing with the inner child that's screaming at us for attention, learning how to integrate those in part of us and work with them rather than against them. When you do, freedom, self-expression, uh, connection to your inner voice, ability to say no and set boundaries, healing your anxiety, healing your digestive issues. It all, it's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but the biggest, but the biggest obstacle is the dragon in front of the pot of gold. That's guarding that pot of gold. That's it. The dragon is your fear, is your fear of facing yourself, your fear of going into the unknown. Because it's so familiar being in that dynamic. Familiar, it's like family. So this conversation is about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. I stand for healed families. So the people who reach out and work with us are the ones who put up their hand and say, it didn't start with me. It's not my fault. But I'm going to be the one to break that cycle because I want to be the cycle breaker. I want to be the one in charge of my life. I'm tired of putting it in someone else's hands. If that's you, See you at the next perfect time. Hopefully this was useful. Please write in what your biggest takeaway was. Thank you for your questions, and I look forward to serving you at the next perfect time. Follow the links below.